Well, I have an exciting word I'd like to get into today. So we'll get ready because God has something for you. And maybe you're listening on the podcast. God has something for you. Whatever time, whatever, wherever you are, the Lord is speaking. And I'm so grateful and thankful that he still speaks. Amen. I want you to want to get right into his word. I'm not going to uh, waste any time here. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, if you want to turn with me, if you want to look to the screen, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm going to begin in verse 7. It says, the old way, or you could call it the old covenant. Everybody say the old covenant. The old way was etched in stone. Right? This is the laws etched in stone. Referring back, we're looking in New Testament times back at Old Testament times, and now we're 2,000 years in the future looking back at the whole picture. And it says that this way led to death, though it began with such glory. Everybody say, such glory. I want you to get this because this is going to be today's sermon. It's going to be about God's glory. It's not a, a topic that is talked about enough. You kind of have old school church and you've got new school church. And I'm getting sick and tired of it, to be honest. I'm getting sick and tired of that there is new school and that there's old school. We just need to be the church. We just need to be his body. We need to be blended together as one body. Maybe that doesn't, maybe you don't even know what I'm talking about, but if you do, you can give me an amen. So we need to be his body. We need to be the kingdom of God. I want to be led by the word. I don't want to be influenced by this preacher or that preacher unless they're just preaching the word. Amen. I don't want to, I don't want any more. I'm just, I don't want there to be, well, you know, we used to do it this way. We used to do it that way. I told Dawn just this morning that this whole entire year, unintentionally, I've been doing some like deep digging soul searching and I haven't, you know, I've been running here and like trying to change everything up. I mean, we are painting some things, cleaning some things up, cleaning those things. Thank you for that, Dawn and and everybody else has been helping. My mom's been helping a little bit there. We're, we're painting, and John's been here, like, relentlessly, <laughs> Levi. But, uh, you know, those things, that's fine. Clean some things up. But I've been just, just thinking this year about why do we do what we do? Like, what is a believer? What is the church? And are we doing what he's asked us to do? Are we being the people he's asked us to be? And so that's just been in my, I've just been in my, in my spirit. And just, you know, even just the function, you know, getting here at 11 a.m. And we have the songs and then we have the sermon and we sit, right? And then we go and we do it again next week, you know, and I've just been just, just meditating. I'm not, like I said, this has been a whole year. I've really been thinking about this this whole year. Um, and, and I haven't changed it just because I've been wondering, are we doing things the right way? But, you know, when you read in the Word, the Bible says they were in one accord. And they were together always going from house to house, right? They were breaking bread. They're having communion. They're sharing everything. And this was the original church. And then, you know, we do have, then we have the church of Ephesus, the church of Corinth. So that did break off. There were other churches. It wasn't just that there in Acts um, where they were all just gathering together into one place. There were many places, so um, it's not 
It's not, um, I'm not going to start trying to rewire and rethink what the church is all in one second, but um, you can see that it did begin to blend and change, so that's okay, that we're not maybe exactly what they did in the, the first chapters of Acts, because that might not be what they were over here in Corinth and Ephesus, okay? And then Revelation, they write to multiple churches, different messages, so what I've been just asking the Lord is that, well, then who are we? What do you want us to be? It's 2023. I don't want a modern message. I don't want a modern thing. But Lord, who are we in this time? What is this church? What is this body? And so anyway, I've been just really digging that up. I didn't plan on saying any of this, just in my spirit. And we have this picture here in the Bible, though, of an old way and a new way. And I think what happens sometimes is, uh, and what Paul's about to expound on here in Corinthians, is that what he was dealing with is uh, an issue, really, that they were the Jews were fighting with, with Jesus, about Moses versus Jesus, the old way versus the new way. And sometimes these wars can break out of the ways that maybe things we got used to, things that we thought, you know, where this is how we used to do it, this is what it was like, this is when it was great, and so on. And God is saying that uh, he's about to say some things that it's not old or new that I really want to, ex to expound on today, but that God's glory is God's glory. God is who he is. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So with that said, I said I was getting right into his word, and then I went into a rant. But I immediately see, so there's this old way, but it led to death, and there, but... There was such glory. It was, a, everybody say it was a glorious time. I remember when it was a glorious time. That's what it says. But, it's going to, we're going to keep going here, but it says, the people of Israel, they couldn't even bear to look at Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of God, even though that brightness was already fading away, just your translation might say something different here. The point is that he had this amazing glory, but it wasn't going to last. It was a temporary glory. It was the old image. It was the old way. So he had a glory. It would come. He would get it by being in God's presence, and it, would, it was fading. And so the Bible says, verse 8, shouldn't we? Everybody, let's say this out loud to God. Let's just look to the Lord. Now, you don't have to look up. He's not up. He's within. Say, Lord, shouldn't we? expect a greater glory that's what the bible says now what i want to do is i want to read this chunk of scripture then i want to go and look at moses because it's an amazing story it's kind of amazing what he's talking he's referring back to this story with moses and he says it was so amazing they couldn't even look at his face and then he says shouldn't we expect a far greater glory wow I think the church has become so dumbed down. It's just so, so watered down. When we're about to read what happened here in Sinai, when I read what happened here, I just say, Lord. In, in, in other ways, you know, the Lord loves us so much, and he'll use any, really any format He'll use, you know, because Jesus really broke the molds of the church, and he's, he's in a boat, he's on a mountaintop, he's in a street, he's in the synagogue, he's in the temple. You guys ever realize those are two different buildings? Synagogue was like their kind of community center. The temple is the temple, right? It's one place. 
And so Jesus is in, you know, he's in those community type places and then he's in the church place, right? So he's outside, he's in the place where they would teach, but then the place where they would worship. And Jesus really uh, brought the word everywhere he went. Am I, are you tracking okay with me? So it says, shouldn't we expect a far greater glory under the new way? Now that the Holy Spirit is giving life. You know what it is? The reason it's watered down is we don't have the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that he don't have them in you, but we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to function. And so we don't have a great glory. If the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way, which has been replaced, everybody say the old has been replaced. Like I said, I'm not talking about the old ways that we did church, you know, like old school church, new school church, like we grew up under the pews, right, Michael? And new school church is barely on Sunday. And that's not what I'm talking about, but it's in my spirit. I've been, I've been meditating on that this year because I said, Lord, it's not, we're not functioning, we're not who you've called us to be fully yet. But he loves us in between. He loves us. There's grace and there's mercy in the middle. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But that doesn't mean he's not calling us deeper. And that's really the point of today's sermon before I even get into it. I just want you to say this. The Lord is calling all of us deeper. All right. He's calling us into a deeper place and overwhelming glory. All right. There is a place in God where you can just, I do believe that you can go to heaven and not know God as intimately as someone else who's also going to heaven. But I think going to heaven is the base Christianity. It's literally as low as you can get. That's basically just, that's like I exist. You, you, you realize going to heaven is not the goal. We were dead, now we're alive. That's like saying existing is the goal. And you see people like that. Who's ever, you look around, you see people that just seem to exist. This is how they function, you ready? Oh, TGIF. That's it. That's all they've got. TGIF. And either get drunk or, you know, whatever their high is. It could be just, you know, excitement. It could be things, it could be hobbies, you know, work on the house. Doesn't matter what it is. It's all the same. And just to crawl back out into Monday morning again, you just exist. We're not meant to just exist. The Lord, Jesus came to give us life abundantly. And he paid such a high price, it was his own life. He put his blood on the cross, and he was beaten, my word says, for my transgressions, not his. He didn't need to pay any dues. He was God, the Bible says very clearly, before the world even began, he was with God. He didn't become this Christ thing so for us, and then, like, then the Lord raised him to a throne because he did such a good job here. 
He came and did all of that for us. Wow. And so, what was it to give us? It was to give us this new way, a way to be in his presence. Sometimes we don't understand what the glory of God is. And some churches manufacture smoke machines to try to create the glory of God. And it's not smoke. You know, his glory, because we're going to look at it, it's not fire. It's not goosebumps. It's not tongues. It's not manifestations. At the very base, the simplicity of it, you ready for this? Is the fullness of God. It's his presence manifested to you. That's it. And it comes in, it comes in, now, now I, could, I could be in his presence, and I could, who's had goosebumps in the Lord's presence? Okay? You can, I've also heard people of having goosebumps watching a Rolling Stones concert back in the day. All right? So I don't live by feelings. Someone told me once, they, they used to go up in their attic, they turn all the lights off, and like play Rolling Stones and just feel the emotions of it. So it's not an emotional thing, it's not, a phys- it's not something, some sort of an experience, although God is meant to be experienced. You get what I'm saying? I'm saying a lot of things. But there's a fine line between just, see what happens is because we're so afraid of the experiences or, or, um, or you know, or whatever, I, I, I don't want to get off track here, but we, we don't understand God's glory, so we just discount it. We don't think it's necessary. And it's honestly what this whole thing's about, to be in his presence. Think about this. How strange to spend 70 or 80 years of life on your own, on the earth, to just spend eternity in his presence. Like, well, let me have my time first, and then I'll spend the rest of eternity with you in, in your presence. It's a very strange thought, isn't it? Let me just do a few things. Let me sow a few oats. And then I'll, I'll be in your presence. Or I'll, I'll come in and I'll get in your presence when it's convenient. But then in eternity, all we do is live in his presence. Isn't that strange? It's a very strange, strange, strange concept to think that we should do anything but be in his presence. And so it says, this old way has been replaced. And it's much more glorious. Verse 11 And verse 12 says, since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. What's the boldness? The boldness is to come into his presence. We're bold to what? Right? We we know in multiple scriptures it's telling us to be bold in his presence, to be bold to come before him. It doesn't mean we come in pointing our finger and saying, God, you do this and you do that, but to be not afraid to come into God's presence. Because it's making a differentiation between what it used to be that they were afraid. And we're going to see that in a moment. It says, verse 11, verse 13, rather, We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face, so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, The same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Now, I think this is very, very, very important. 
I think sometimes when we think Old Covenant, your mind thinks Old Testament, doesn't it? Whose mind thinks Old Testament when we say Old Covenant? That's not actually an accurate picture. Old Covenant is what it says it is. It was the covenant. The Old Testament is the story of God from creation up until Christ on the earth. But Old Testament is not Old Covenant. And the reason I'm making that point is I don't think that, I think you could read the book of James, you can read the book of Matthew, and still be stuck in what they're talking about here with a veil over your eyes. And we've been talking, so I spent three weeks really talking, or four weeks, talking about how this very interesting thing happens in John 6. In John 6, right, these disciples are listening to Jesus, they're tracking with Jesus, but they hit this point of unbelief, and when they hit this point of unbelief, something happens. They hit that moment, and they can't go any further with him, and they turn and they leave. Now, Peter says, where else would we go? And that's what we have said to the Lord. Amen? We're saying the same exact thing that he did. And so that's who, that's us here. We are, the veil's coming off. This, we have a greater glory. We're heading towards what, what God has for us. So let's keep, don't, don't lose, I don't want to lose you so, uh, at the, so soon. Just stay with me. I'm going somewhere. I know it seems, this is, it's heavy and deep already. But believe me, I'm going somewhere. I'm going to simplify it as best I can. But so I don't know that it has to just be, it says whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds. It's only by believing in Christ. And so here's the thing. Your faith, your belief in Christ is the key. No, and this is what, and I've said this many times. They study the Bible in colleges just like other books, and they don't believe. Now, because they're reading the word, I'm talking, you know, the whole book, and, and you, get, you can even put on, uh, you know, uh, History Channel, and they'll, they'll reference Revelation and all kinds of things, right? It doesn't mean they believe, and they don't have a relationship with God. So, just because the word is there doesn't mean that they have a relationship with the word. It's only by our faith that we can have that place in him. Now, I'm building, I'm putting, I'm gathering some materials here, okay? I'm going to build here. I'm building. But so what happens is, is we can put up these blockades, and it happens to all of us. We just don't like whatever God has said, or we just don't, you know, whatever it is. We, or, or, you know what, we just got comfortable. I would just rather watch TV and just do my own thing. And what happens is, we don't even realize it, but we're almost doing what they were doing, and we're kind of putting on this veil, this hardening we get into this place of this hardening, and what it does is it, it's a barrier between God's glory, which is God's presence, and us. And so anyway, it says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. I don't believe that is simply just saying, Lord, I believe in you. Because I read about, when you read from literally Genesis to Revelation, and you look at all the characters going through the word, you know what? Many of them, they sought God so crazy. I mean, they're just crazy for God and sought God, and they all had low moments where God had to come and rebuke them, every single one of them, which means that it says when someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So there is a general veil, but then there's also the veil that is his presence. 
All right, so the general veil is, wow, all of a sudden your eyes are open, but there is a constant unveiling. Who, who knows the Lord the same you did 25 years ago? I hope you don't raise your hand. Right, John, do you know Mariah the same as you did, you know, just five, five years ago? Or are you, is it an increasing? It's an unveiling. There's a constant unveiling. In fact, we even had this picture of the bride, right? She even on, that's the image, right? She's pulling the veil up. The veil's coming up. Here's the image. But that veil is just, that's just, I hope that's not the only veil, right? She's going to keep unveiling. Her whole entire life is going to be an unveiling. You're going to begin to know each other more and more and more. And in fact, Paul says it's a mystery. I don't even know how to describe this. I can't explain it. Husbands and wives, that's a mystery. And Jesus and us, that's, those are two separate mysteries, and I'm going to blend them together. They're both mysteries. They don't make sense. The two flesh become one. Right? They begin thinking the same and acting the same and looking the same. And yet it's like us in Christ as well, becomes like us in Christ, that we've become one. And it's an unveiling and an unveiling and an unveiling. And, you know, the moment, and, and husbands and wives can just do it, you get hard. You, get, you just get stuck in your, in, what, in your thing or whatever's going on in your life, and, right, and then the veil goes back up. Come on. And so it says, though, it says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil's taken away, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see, your translation might say, like a mirror, right? Who's got like a mirror? Because this, the, I looked up this Hebrew word, and it literally just means mirror or to reflect. It means to look at something and see yourself. It says that once this veil is removed, I can see the Lord clearly, and then it's reflected off of me. Some people theorize that that was Lucifer's job, because the name means light reflector. So there are many Christian camps that say that when he rebelled, when he, when he, uh, when he fell, he fell from his call, which God then gave to us, mankind, which is to reflect God's glory. I'm not saying I agree or don't disagree. I'm just saying that these are, the name literally means light. Lucifer means reflector of light. In fact, what is the moon? The moon reflects the light of the sun to do what? Light the darkness. Jesus said, you are a light you are a light, right? He's the light. He's the great light who shines on the smaller light to reflect to the world in the darkness. That's very interesting, isn't it? Well, a little, a little side interesting is, you know what the symbol for the Muslim faith is? Ooh, that's interesting, isn't it? Hmm, Allah is not God. It's Satan. Let's just be honest. I'm not afraid to be honest here in this church. It's Satan. They're worshiping Satan. It's a total rejection of everything Jewish, everything Christian. Come on. That's obviously Satan. And his symbol is the moon. And his name was Lucifer, the reflector of light. So anyway, God has given us that job. We have the job. And that's why he wants to snuff out you, you and your light. 
but why God wants us to be in his presence, A, for our benefit, but really it's not for us. What we're going to see is Moses did not go into God's glory and God's presence for himself. He just reaped the benefits of it. And, and this is a side note, but we, we could get stuck just wanting the benefits of God's glory. And we've seen that too, which kind of could make us have a distaste for saying things like glory, because we've seen those types of things in our lives where they just get stuck in the glory and then they don't bring it out and it becomes this kind of weird thing. But we're meant to be in his presence, meant to, to have those glorious experiences, and then we're meant to carry it with the word written on our hearts. Remember, I'm getting ahead of myself because that clock ticks so fast. But Moses began to walk down the mountains carrying the word of God with it illuminated by the glory of God. And it's not enough to just have the word. And it's not enough to just have his glory. But don't worry, because he will not give you his glory unless you have the word anyway. But many people are carrying the word of God without the glory of God, and they're wondering why they're so dead. Ooh, I was the spirit of the Lord. Ugh, preaching to myself right now. I felt that from the Lord. I, you know, I was, I just, sometimes I, I write a sermon and I, I pack it all, you know, pack all this stuff in, and then I'm like, okay, Lord, let's make it easier to preach, make it simplified. But sometimes I just, I put it all there, and then I just stop. And I went, and I just went and got a breakfast sandwich this morning. I'm like, I just, I need to just not be in it. And I just said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, when Moses said, show me your glory, I said to the Lord, um, it's kind of weird to just think that all we have to do is come into a building, play a bunch of songs, and start singing, show me your glory, and you're going to do it. And instantly, I almost came to tears because all of a sudden I felt the Spirit of the Lord. And I don't try to hear his voice. I don't say, Lord, speak to me. But instant, but I mean, he, but he speaks. What I'm saying is, is that you could try to hear his voice and hear your head. You can hear all kinds of things. But when, I, when he just, I'm, I'm not saying that that's not God. I'm just saying that when it just comes where I just knew it was the Lord. And he said to me, he said, everybody's saying, show me your glory, but no one's willing to pay the price. Coming into a service and singing some songs and saying, Lord, give me your glory is not what happened with Moses on the mountain, is it? Don't worry, we don't sing that song here anyway. Not that he wouldn't do it for a church that really is seeking him. But it's too cheap. But it says that we have had this crazy thing happen to us, verse 18, that we have, we have this veil has come off and I can see. I Come on, this is us. It says, shouldn't we have a greater glory? And it says, verse 18, it says, all of us... Come on, I want to read, let's just read this out loud. We have, everybody say have, had. Come on, Evelyn, what does that mean? That's right. We have all had the veil removed. Anyone who believes in Christ, if you've come to Christ, the veil has come off, and, and what we, what, this is what is supposed to happen. This is not extra. This is what, this is the revelation. This is when I just started to see the Lord. I said, wow. Seeing and reflecting his glory is not extracurricular. That's not another level that you can ascend to that's just for the few. It's for everyone. 
This is what we were meant to do. We were meant to see and reflect his glory. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more. This is that metamorphosis, the transformation, right? Metamorphosis, that Greek word, it means to that you were something and now you've become something else. That you, he works in you. Something happens and we're changed. We get changed. We are meant to change. And, and this is, I, I preached for three weeks saying how far we would go because, see, what happens is in John 6, they wanted to stay themselves. They didn't want to change. Peter ends up saying to Jesus at some point, he says, Lord, we've given up everything. What are we going to get? We've given up everything. And the Lord assures him that there is, that, that he has it, and he gives us the same promise. Later on, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. But nonetheless, he doesn't tell him, oh, you've given up everything, and, and uh, uh, Jesus didn't say, no, you haven't. I mean, that's what the cost was. The cost to follow Jesus, the cost to be in his presence was to give up everything. And Jesus is giving him ev more than you could possibly imagine, but that is the cost. That's my point. We've given up everything. We heard it out of his own mouth, and Jesus doesn't tell him, no, you didn't. That's, that is the cost. And that's not the, he didn't say, that's not the way. Don't think like that. That is the way. And he says, uh, I want to move it to chapter 4. In chapter 4, it says, verse 4, Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe, and they are unable to see. What does he blind them from? The good news is the glory of God. Now, without belief and faith, it's just a book. It's just a story. And as we've looked at recently many times, it's just seed on hard ground that blows away. The offer was there to come into his presence. Now, it's really hard to decipher. When you go and you read in Exodus, which you're going to just have to believe me. I'm trying to get there. But when you read it, it almost appears that God did offer them to come to his mountain, and then they get afraid, and he tells them, no, now you can't. But it's kind of, it's hard to understand because there's a lot of him going and coming off the mountain, if you never noticed. And I was like trying to break it down, and I was like, wait a second, he's back on the mountain, now he's down with the people, he's back on the mountain. It wasn't just two episodes. He tells them, go back down, tell them don't break through. But in the beginning, and in some translations, it even says, you know, they can still come into onto the mountain they just couldn't come to the highest level but they could still come onto it and so anyway what the thing is is that the bible says that uh satan is on a mission to blind us that's the point i want us to see and what is he trying to blind you from from god's glory and what is the glory how do you get god's glory it's from the good news the offer is to each of us and you can either receive it or, and you can even partially receive it, and then you can get distracted with this world, right? And it gets choked out, the world, the word dies. Or, you know, you know, uh, we can take that seed, we can push it down into good ground, we can care for it and protect it, and it grows. We really want him, and he's really, there's something that supernaturally has happened there where we're really saved, we're real believers. And it says they're unable to see, they don't understand, I have to move on here. Verse 6, for God said, let there be light in the darkness. The same God who said it 
said, let there be light in the darkness. He's made this light shine in our hearts. Do you know in Revelation it says that when there's a new heaven and new earth, there is no sun. Because God's glory is the light. And here we have a picture. He said, let there be light in the darkness. God said, I'm going to give you my glory. So we can know it and carry it and give it. That's what we're meant to be. We were meant to have the glory of God. We were meant to, to go into his presence to get the glory of God and get, again, listen, I started this sermon. I want you just to remove all your thoughts of what you think the glory of God is by you know, all, any type of teachings or experiences. Just put that on the shelf, please, for a minute and just hear the scriptures and look at what it says in Exodus of what the glory of God is. Because I know we all have a picture of glory. And as soon as you say the word glory, Dan says glory all the time. And he's giving glory to the Lord. But we all have a picture when we hear the word glory and glory of God and glory in services, what that means. I just want you to just shelf it for a moment and just listen to what the scriptures say. That the Lord said the same way that he said, let there be light. That's the sun. We don't need the sun because we have God's glory. He said it in our hearts Literally put his light, put his glory into our hearts. And we could really, really break this down for like forever. As you know, I, I don't have a problem speaking for a long time. I could spend the rest of the day just talking about how we are the temple, we're the priest, right? We have the showbread inside of us. We have the ark inside of us. I mean, this whole thing is right here. We could really break that down. This whole entire thing, and even the light, this is where the light is. And it is not just for you. Jesus didn't come for himself. It is for the world. That's what it's for. And what is the light for? The light's to illuminate the way. We have light so we can see. He said in the very beginning, go back to Genesis, I've given light for the day and light for the night. Why? Some of them are for signs and things going on, right? There, are, there is that too. The horoscope tries to copy God. Don't be afraid of signs in the sky because the Bible said it. They're just, the devil's just a copycat. And then he makes you like, I can't look at the stars. I can't even look at them because that's the horoscope. God put them there. God designed it. God made it. The devil's just a copycat. You don't open up the paper if that still exists anymore and go and find what day it is and your birthday and all that other garbage. But you can look at the stars, and he put them there for signs of the times. He also put a light there to illuminate our way. And Jesus came clearly and said that he is the light, and then passed that baton on to us and says, you are the light of the world. You are light. He carried the glory. The Bible says, I can't reference all the scriptures today, but you can come find me after if you care. But the, that Jesus is the glory of God manifest in, in his face. Right, Dan? Right, Dan? When you looked at Jesus, it was God's glory manifest in a, in a person. And Jesus said, I'm giving to you what God's given to me, John chapter 17. He said, the same glory that God gave me. Come on, we just talked about this the other day, Michael, right? John 17. He says, the same glory that God gave me, I give to you. That's what we were meant to be. And I, I'm not condemning you. If I had to condemn someone, I'll go sit myself down there and preach to myself. But I'll say this. 
we are not living that way. I'm not. I'm not carrying that glory like that. Like Jesus on the earth? I don't think so. And I'm not just going to be like, oh, well, whatever, we'll just move on, and 2024 comes in, and then it's the new year, it's wintertime, time to relax, time to chill, and then springtime, plant some flowers, and, you know, go out, and then, then the year, oh, well, you know, whatever, it's just, we just don't have time for that, it's another Sunday, it's another week, and our lives just pass us by, and we never are really, now we're, we're changing, and we're dealing with soul issues, and all of that's amazing, and that's all part of it, because, you know, you know, sometimes we, we, we try to think that Christianity is like this one single path, but it's actually a million things happening at once, just like everything else, right, in God. Look at his universe. Look at everything all functioning. And the, you ever watch the videos where they show the ecosystem, how precious and how perfect it is? It all starts in Alaska. You guys know that? Starts in Alaska. You got the, 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 basically the salmon go up there, right? They die. And then what happens is the whales come up, right? It creates all this planktons up there, and then the whales come up, and then it, you, I've watched this whole thing, and it goes, and just round and round, and you're, you're round. And the same way your Christian life is like that. God's doing a lot of things at once. So when I'm talking about his glory, and getting his glory, and shining, that doesn't mean that he's also not dealing with soul issues inside you, and, 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 and that you're in repentance at the cross, and dealing with things. It doesn't mean you're also not going through something, and being able to pray, and ask for his, his grace, and his mercy in that area, or for his healing in an area or pray, you know, so all of these things are all happening at once, but I want to say that the purpose of your life, even though he can do all those things at once, right, the purpose of your life is to know him and to reflect him. At, at the very, very base, if we go back to the very beginning, that's it. Adam and Eve just knew God and reflected his glory. They had no other job. Do you ever realize that? That's it. Name the animals. Be fruitful and multiply. That's it. That's it. Be fruitful and multiply. Wait, wait a second. Be fruitful. That sounds a lot like what you told the disciples to do. That sounds a lot like John 15. Be fruitful and multiply. You see how God's given us that original glory back. That's, but we're so distracted. We have so much other stuff in our lives, so many other things. It's such a mixed picture, a mixed gospel. Wow. Exodus chapter 19, you see that Moses goes up on the, on the mountain, and I'm just going to just pick some things here. So in Exodus 19, um, basically God tells him, I want you to get the people ready because on the third day I'm coming. And that's another type and shadow, isn't it, Dawn? On the third day, right? It's when Jesus rose, and there's a lot about the third day. You can see a lot of different things. Go through your whole Bible and find those patterns. But on the third day, Jesus is coming. Resurrection is coming. So he says, I get ready, because on the third day, I'm coming. And so the people, they wash, they clean, they're, they're consecrated. And he comes, and in Exodus 19, it says that on the third day, verse 16, you got this dense cloud, lightnings flashing, thunders roaring, and there's a loud blast of the ram's horn, and the people are trembling. Verse 16. Now, remember... I just read to you, and I spent most of the, our time together today just telling us that in Second Corinthians that we have a far greater glory, and we're going to look at his glory as quickly as I can, all right? We have a far, everybody say, exceeding, abundantly, above, more, right, greater. You can put all, your, all the translations, all have different adjectives there, and the point is 
It doesn't compare. And yet, my Bible says that when God came in his glory, that the mountain shook. It says in verse 18 that it was covered in smoke and fire. And it says that verse 19, it looked like, it says verse 18, it looked like a brick kiln, and it shook violently. And 19 says that the blast of the ram's horn grew louder, and Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. And then the Lord came down on top of Mount Sinai, verse 20 and called Moses to the top of the mountain. And in chapter 24, and again, like I said, there's a lot of up and down, so let me just bring it together into one kind of seamless story here. So God tells him in chapter 24, come up here to me. And he says, I want you to bring, you can bring uh, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 elders. And what happens is it says, but they must worship from a distance, verse 1 says in chapter 24. They can come, but they have to stay at a distance. But then he says, verse 2, only Moses is allowed to come near, and the others can't come closer. And then he goes on, verse 9 says that they, they're climbing up the mountain, so there's this progression. Everybody say a progression. So there's a progression, and so some, there. remember the people, just if you know your story, and I know you know your Bible, the general population are down below. He says, don't even touch the base of the mountain. But then there's a group of people, and these numbers are very important. We got the three. Wow, there's so many things here. We got Jesus, the transfiguration, right, with Peter and John. We got the three, right, and we've got the 70. You can see there's so many things, so many ties of what's going on here uh, to the New Testament and just types and shadows. But basically it says that God tells Moses, though, but only you are allowed to come up to the highest level. But something amazing happens in verse 10. We don't, I think it's easy to forget this. We all think, oh, wow, God said, show me your glory. But don't forget that in verse 10, remember the general population saw God as a cloud. They saw him as fire. They just saw like a shaking, a thundering, something mighty, but no de definition. Something powerful, but no definition. But in verse 10, the 70 and the three with him says that they saw the God of Israel says they saw God. And under his feet, there seemed to be a surface of brilliant blue lapis lazuli as clear as the sky itself. And said, it says in, in, in verse 11, and those, um, these nobles of Israel gazed upon God and he did not destroy them. So apparently there was a there was a a, a, a way that you could actually become closer to God. There was, there's aware of his presence, then there's in his presence, and it says, in fact, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in his presence. Wow. Everybody say greater glory. You don't, you know, a lot of times we read these stories and we become jealous of David and Goliath. We become jealous of Moses. My Bible says I have a greater glory. Come on, let's be reminded of this. Don't read these things. This is not, this is not just an old Old Testament. It's not just an old story. God doesn't do things like that anymore. Remember, I'm, I'm not trying to tell God that he needs to do this. I just want you to know that whatever how God is doing what he's doing now, you may think, man, reading his word, 
listening to his Holy Spirit just say something to me at the stoplight, that that seems like that's less. Well, my Bible, Paul said, that's a greater glory. I'm closer, and so are you, and we can be closer. If we're not there yet, we can get there than even they had. This experience sounds amazing, but you have a greater glory in the fact that the Holy Spirit, remember this, Jesus said to them, the Holy Spirit is, come on, fill me in, help me fill in the blank. He is with you, but soon he will be in you. That's the greater glory. The greater glory is that you could get so close to God in the old covenant, and yet you just quite, you weren't quite there. And now God says, I don't want a temple, tore the temple down, tore the veil, shook that place with an earthquake just like he did here. Come on, there's another type in shadow. When that cross, when Jesus said it was finished, there was another earthquake on a mountain, and that temple began to shatter, and he said, I want you in my presence. I want you so bad like I've wanted you since the beginning, and the devil held you captive for so long, but it's time that his blinders come off, it's time the veil comes off, and it's time that you get into my presence and you truly know me. That's the only way that you could be Paul being whipped and beaten and shipwrecked and so on and still say glory to God. There's no other way. How can you do that? Because he was in his presence. But Jesus wasn't on the earth. What do you mean he was in his presence? The Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's better that I go. He says, if you, let me just, I'm going to use a little license. It doesn't say it's exact, but I'm reading between the lines. Jesus says, it, if you truly understood what it really means for me when I'm about to go to the cross, what I'm about to do, he says, it's good that I go so that I can send the advocate, the helper. In other words, Jesus on the earth, he said, there's an even better way than even me standing here on the earth because I'm with you, but I'm going to do something where I'm going to become one with you. Wow. So even Peter, looking at Jesus in the flesh, says there's, some, there's another level. Come on, everybody say there's another level. There's a greater glory. See, because, you know, what? I think this is called a Christophany. Anybody ever heard that term? That basically means Christ in the Old Testament. It's Christ appearing in the Old Testament. It's funny when people try to get rid of the Trinity. They're like, I don't believe in the Trinity. Listen, you can call it whatever you want. I don't care if you put the little three, you know, leaf symbol and call it the Trinity and people say that's pagan and all that. Whatever. You can call it whatever you want. You don't need to call it a Trinity. You don't need that symbol. We got God showing up in ways that people couldn't be a part of and God showing up in ways that they could in the Old Testament. It, the Bible says Moses met with God face to face as a man meets with his friend. But meanwhile, we're not going to get there today, but in chapter 34 when he says, Lord, show me your glory, he could only see a little piece of it. And so I believe this was Christ here with him, and what he was about to get a picture of is this, he was about to become, he, he, he was uh, connecting, it was like a oneness moment, and I, I can prove that it was a oneness moment, because the Bible says, we're not going to go through the whole story, but let me just fast forward, Exodus chapter 34, Now just remember, he's back up on the mountain a second time, it's actually a second visit, second 40-day fast, everybody say two, 40-day fast, not one, this is his second visit, First visit, comes down with the, t you know, the tablets all written by God, throws them down. He's so angry because, remember, the world, not the world, the church. Remember, that's the church. 
They got worshiping what was convenient. They said, we're tired of waiting for God's glory. Let's just create our own glory. Let's just do what's easy. Hey, Aaron, make us some gods. They look like God. It's not really God, but it's easy and convenient. And you know what it says? He came down, they were singing, they're dancing. Looked just like church, except it wasn't church. It was a false church with a false God. Listen, don't think it's a coincidence that they took down the crosses and took off Jesus off the churches in America. Sometimes we think, you know, we give them license and grace. We're like, no, no, because we, we're trying to welcome more people. We're trying, to, we're trying to make them feel comfortable to come in, except that, you know, I was just meditating. I wonder if I did a search in my, in my messages, I can type in a key word and try to find old sermons or like, when did I say this last? And I was thinking, I bet you if I just did the keyword Jesus, he would probably come up in every single sermon. And I wondered that if you did that with a lot of sermons across America, that it would come up. Maybe it would come up in one out of 10, one out of five, or maybe, maybe even every other at best. But is Jesus even going to come up? It's all about this best and your best and his best and our best and not a lot about Jesus being the best. A lot about, you know, changing you so that you could be the best you, but not about Jesus changing you with a revelation supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit and by his blood. Come on, the cross and the story of the cross and the story of the Holy Spirit is weird. It's foolish. Come on, this is what the Bible says of itself. Right? The Greeks, the Jews, they want signs, and the Greeks, you know, they, they, we want this, all this esoteric philosophy thing, and, and, and this is not something new that they were dealing with. We need to realize that this is a crazy, wild, insane story, and we cannot be afraid of it and try to create, like, something that makes more sense down here. Wow. When we're supposed to go and be in his presence, Moses was on his way down to lead them. Ultimately, God was going to lead them into the same presence of God through his word. He's carrying it down to them. I'll bring, I'm going to bring God to you. Throws it down. He's back on the mountain again. God says, I don't know why, and I'm sure there's plenty of people that have had all kinds of theories, but God's like, this time, I'm not, I'm not chiseling out those tablets again. I got the whole universe to take care of, and to be honest, I did a perfect job with the first tablets of stone. So he tells Moses, you can carve out two tablets, tablets this time. I'm just joking. But Moses comes up with two tablets that he carves out, brings them up to God, and he's up there with God. And he says, God, he says, he says in chapter 33, if, if you're not going to lead us, then I'm just not interested. You know, I've just come to the place. He's, I've gotten getting closer and higher and higher and higher and higher. I'm getting closer to you, Lord. And I'm like, you know what? If you're not going to lead us, if you're not going to show me your presence, I'm just not interested anymore. I, I just don't, I'm not going to do this thing without this, with a clo the closest I could be. I need your presence and I need you to do this. I need you to lead my life. So God says, okay, chapter 34, be ready. He says, be ready in the morning. That's what God's response to him is. So that's his prayer. Moses prays that prayer. It was my own words for sake of time. But you can go and read it in chapter 33 on your own, in your own uh, translation. And so there he is. He's up there with God. And God comes and he shows him his glory. And he hides him. He blocks him. And, and, he, and, and he stands on the rock. Come on. Look at these pictures here. The only way he was able to see God's glory is that Moses, he says, I want you to stand on this rock. I'm going to protect you by this rock. 
The rock protected him. That's Christ, obviously, the picture here. And then the Lord calls out his name, Yahweh, and he passes in front of him, Yahweh, or Jehovah, your translation might say. He says, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And it says in verse 8 of chapter 34 that Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshipped. He worshipped. And it says, verse 28, that he remained there on the mountain with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, and all that time he ate no bread and drank no water, and the Lord wrote the terms of the covenant. And what happens is it says that, it says, verse 29, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. Who knows when someone's been with the Lord? Who's just ever been around somebody and you're like, I just know this person's with the Lord. I know this person spends time with God. It's, it, this, that's exactly it here. I'm not talking about you worship the, don't do that. I'm not talking about like parting the Red Sea for these guys or gals. But you just know that they, this is a person that spends time with God. And it says that he wasn't aware so, verse 30, so Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, and they were afraid to come near him. And so when he finished speaking to them, verse 33, he covered his face with a veil, and it says that he would remove it to go back into the tent of meeting. He would take off the veil to go back into God's presence. So he allowed himself. He, he went in there and, and took out the barriers, he took, that's the picture, and that's what I'm trying to see here. He took off the thing that any blockage, anything to block God's presence went into that place of that tent of meeting, and, and that's where it says God would talk to him face to face as a friend talks to a friend. And then it, he would give the people whatever instructions the Lord had given in verse 35, and the people of Israel would see Verse 35 says, the people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face, so he would put that veil over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. And my Bible says, so does yours. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, shouldn't we expect far greater glory? If that doesn't make you think a little bit, I mean, the Lord surprised me with this. I didn't plan, like I said, I didn't go looking for the Lord. It kind of surprised me. I just want to talk about the glory of God because it's, it's in the entire Bible, new and old. And it's kind of a tough subject to touch because it has so many stigmas around it. And, but when I started to dig apart what's going on here, I said, wow, there's so much more, so, so much more. I'll probably get into it next week unless the Lord steers me somewhere else. But with that, Lord, we just thank you for this word. I thank you for the power, Lord, of your word. I thank you that your words are so powerful, Lord. They, your Bible says of itself that it's right now, it's working inside me. It's showing soul and spirit. It's dividing what is flesh and what is unholy, what is unrighteous, what's unpleasing, and you are dividing them in me by the power of your word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence and for your glory, Lord, being in this room right now. I thank you, Lord. I know, Lord Jesus, I know you are here with us right now. 
I know, Lord, we are in your glory because, Holy Spirit, you are here with us. And you came in this room with me and with these people, and we're going to leave this room with you. We don't come to a building to find you, but we can come and go with you in us. That is the greater glory. And I pray today, Lord, that we would not neglect, as your word says, neglect that place to even despise and to trample upon the blood of Jesus and to grieve the Holy Spirit. I pray that we would not, Lord God, treat you like you are a building or that you are an experience, but that we would see you as who you are, holy and mighty and great and also our friend at the same time, just like Moses experienced and just like you offered to us. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.